0: Well, good morning everybody and welcome back. This is our daily devotional for Tuesday, November the 14th, 2023, and I am delighted to be back with you this uh this cold morning though it is. It's pretty mild for November at least here in the valley. I hope that uh that everyone's week started off well though, that it was a good Monday, and for all I know, you're finding this on a Friday. I I don't know. I'm just glad that we have the time together and I welcome you. Let me once again state, right, if if you are local in our area and you want to support a good cause, this coming Saturday from, I believe, four to six, we're doing our annual Thanksgiving fundraiser. It's, It's a meal with turkey, ham, all the fixings. Um, Fantastic, fantastic food. Everybody works so hard to pull this off, but we're doing a hybrid this year, um, and it's right here at the church. It used to be down at the Spotswood Community Center, but it's right here at the church, and um, you can choose to dine in. You can do carry out, but we do want you to order ahead, okay? Call the church office. uh, You can place your order there. Write me. I'll, I'll get you plugged in, but we would absolutely love for you to uh, to come out and support that. It is a there's no charge. It is a donation basis, though, right? Okay, so just uh, just throwing that out there too. But we do need you to sign up sooner rather than later. By the time you see this, it'll be Tuesday. I think they're taking orders through Wednesday, unless I am mistaken. But anyway, um, if you have any questions, just let me know about that. Now. All of that being said, let's dig into where we find ourselves today. Yesterday, in order to set up today, we found ourselves in chapter 17. We started in verse 10, and we encountered a very valuable principle here from the Bereans. In fact, we saw that the Bereans were called more noble than the Thessalonians. Why? Two reasons. Number one, they were eager, that term is used there, they were eager to receive the message from the Lord, right? They were eager to hear preaching on God's word. And number two, they evaluated every single thing they heard by God's word, right? So we ought to aspire to be like the Bereans. We saw that yesterday. But where we're picking up with that is, what's the effect? And what's the the consequence? We're going to see that in a second too. Let's pray and we'll dig in. Our Father, we thank you for this time that you have given to us and we pray for your blessings in it. Please guide us now. Let us see the truths that your word presents about who you are, who we are, how Christianity works and how the world works in response to it. So please guide us by your spirit now. We pray it in Christ's name, amen. All right. So where we left off was really verse 11. We'll pick up there today. Now, this is Acts chapter 17, verse 11. Now, the Bereans were of more noble character than the Thessalonians, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. Verse 12, many of the Jews believed. As did also a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. Pause, time out. Does that sound familiar? This is becoming a refrain, right? It, it, it's repeated over and over again. That's what we've seen in Philippi, right? That's what we saw in Thessalonians, in Thessalonica, excuse me. Now, it's hard when you talk about Thessalonica to not say Thessalonians because of the book, but in Thessalonica, we saw the same thing. Now here we are in Berea. We're seeing the same thing. And the message here is not just that Christianity is expanding and taking off. Think about what was just said about the Bereans. A point is made here about Christianity in terms of how it fits with God's word, especially from the Old Testament. Remember, y'all, they didn't have the New Testament. It was being written Okay? And the point that this brings out is, again, it's said about the Bereans. They were eager to receive the message, right? But they evaluated the message by God's word. They they ran everything through the scriptures to see if it was true. And seeing that it was true, now certainly the Holy Spirit had to cut them to the heart to use the language of Acts chapter two. I'm not denying that. But I think the unsaid point being made here is that Christianity is logical. Christianity makes sense when you evaluate it based on what we have in the Old Testament. These Berean Jews were receptive, not because they were eager. They were receptive because what Paul was preaching made sense. You know, Christianity is trustworthy on every level including the level that it just makes sense. Um, One of my really kind of a father in the faith, his name was Jim Corbett. He actually started the last church where I was pastor, right? And Jim and I were were just really good friends. And his dear wife, Nancy, is is, is so precious to me. But nevertheless, um, Jim loved to tell his story of how he became a believer. Went to Virginia Tech here, I think he was an agnostic, not an atheist, but an agnostic. Anyway, he, uh, he was in research and development in engineering, which as I understand it for engineers, that's a lot of fun and and that sort of thing. And anyway, had a fabulous job. All things were just clicking right. But he had a coworker that challenged him one day. A coworker that was a believer, and it was kind of like the thing that you see now with people, where Jim found out that his coworker was a believer. I think it was an initial conversation, not not some hard press evangelism, just conversation. And I think Jim's response was something to the tune of, "You know, I, I thought that you were smart. How can you believe this stuff?" And so his coworker challenged him. He said, "I want you to take the Bible, and I want you to read it, and I want you." to expose the errors in it, the things that are not logical, the things that don't match up, the things that don't make sense. And so Jim embarked on this study of God's word, a really deep study. He approached it with an engineer's tactics. Y'all know how engineers are. You know, you ask them what time it is, they'll tell you how the watch works sometimes, right? And I love engineers. They, they, they are a different breed, but they're a, a wonderful, wonderful breed. Nevertheless, Jim approached it with an engineer's mindset. And his conclusion when he had completed his work is that it must be true. He couldn't find any flaws. He couldn't find any any errors, any of the things that everybody talks about with the, Oh, well, it's this and that and the other ancient book. It's really more like folklore. No, by the Holy Spirit. Now, it wasn't just a matter of intellect for Jim, though Jim was incredibly smart. It's not about intellect. It was about power of the word working in his life. And the Lord transformed him. Uh, The the Holy Spirit cut him to the heart. He accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, left engineering, started uh, church planting, eventually became a denominational head, and and now he is with the Lord. But nevertheless, um, the unsaid point here about the Bereans being so systematically sure of what was being preached to them and it matching up with God's word, the logical conclusion is, having heard the gospel, they would then turn to Christ because it made sense. Now, I'm, I'm enunciating this so much because we're about to go into a different realm. And, and what I mean by that is this, all right? So same thing as, as, as Philippi, same thing as Thessalonica, large number of Jews, many prominent Greek women, many Greek men. Verse 13, when the Jews in Thessalonica learned that Paul was preaching the word of God at Berea, they went there too. Side note, boy, they're jealous. Oh, they're jealous. They went there too, agitating the crowds and stirring them up. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. That's exactly what they did in Thessalonica, right? Went to the marketplace, found some rowdy characters, started a riot, blamed it on Paul and Silas and company, right? Um, That's what they're doing here. But verse 14, the brothers immediately sent Paul to the coast. But Silas and Timothy stayed at Berea. The men who escorted Paul brought him to Athens and then left with instructions for Silas and Timothy to join him as soon as possible. So you, you kind of get this ping pong ball thing with Paul, but now Paul is actually alone here. And I'm gonna, and, and, and I'm gonna bring something out here, I think, because Paul is alone. so, so you get the transition, Philippi, Thessalonica, Berea. Now he's going all the way to Athens, okay? Verse 16, while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. You know what's interesting, y'all? And, it, and it's not definitely the reason for Paul being greatly distressed is the idols that he finds, all of the idol worship in, in Athens. You know, Athens is one of the most prominent cities in the Roman Empire. Um, but when he sees these things, he's greatly distressed. I think there's also a correlation between the fact that previously Paul has seen a lot of things, but he's always had men with him. It's been at least two by two, right? Now Paul is alone in Athens, and we see great distress setting in. Y'all, it's not good to be alone. Now, that's a complete and total side note and 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 I'm just throwing that out there but you see that Paul is greatly distressed he's on his own he sees all of these idols so verse 17 so he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the god-fearing Greeks as well as in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there a group of epicurean and stoic philosophers began to dispute with him some of them said What is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Now, we're going to stop reading there in verse 18 for today, but we're going to pick up there tomorrow. But nevertheless, y'all, there's a few things here that I've just got to bring out. Paul is greatly distressed, not only because of the idols, But I think the bigger picture here is that Paul, seeing what he sees in that society, it pains him. It pains him. It distresses him to see a society so full, so chock full of people worshiping things other than God. You looked around America lately? Turned on the news? picked up a newspaper, now you might be saying, well, what are you talking about, other gods? You know, there's no no idols, really? Is there not? If you take that principle that, show me what you covet and I'll show you what you idol, uh, 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 show me what you covet and I'll show you your idol, if you take that principle and apply it to what's going on in the United States, I think idols are everywhere. It may not look like some shrine in somebody's backyard, though d- those do exist. It might look like a particular car in the driveway. It might look like a shining, you know, flat screen television. It might look like a political sign in the front yard. Mm. I don't want to go from preaching to meddling, y'all. But again, as I've said before, politics is the biggest religion in the United States, and we're living in the time of the Crusades. You may quote me on that. But nevertheless, we, we got all these idols out there. Um, Paul went to Athens and was greatly distressed over this. Are you greatly distressed over what you see? If the answer is yes, absolutely. I love you enough to tell you, and I'm telling myself too. If you're greatly distressed over what you see, then uh, why aren't you doing what Paul did next? Because after being greatly distressed over what he saw, his conclusion was... I got to get to it. I got to tell these people about Jesus. And that's exactly what he did. Now, something else is revealed in this too, and we'll kind of pick up with this conversation tomorrow. He goes to the marketplace. First, he goes to the synagogue, right? He's got Jews and God-fearing Greeks there. Those are Gentiles that converted to Judaism, right? God-fearing Greeks. He reasons with them. And it's not enough. He goes to the marketplace, to the public square. And no, I'm not telling you to do street preaching, y'all. But the point is that he engages people. He looks for opportunities to tell people about Jesus. Despite the mocking, you know, we we talk about how rough it is for Christianity today. You know, what did they say? Well, one of them said, what is this babbler trying to say? Others said he seems to be advocating foreign gods. That gets to that whole thing that happened way back with the slave girl whose demon was driven out. You know, they're breaking Roman custom. It realized to have a religion in the Roman Empire, it had to be sanctioned by the state, which meant you had to pay up. What they're accusing him of is, hey, he's bringing something new that hasn't paid dues. Y'all, people have always thrown insults at Christianity. And the fascinating thing here is you've got Stoic and Epicurean philosophers that are there. Y'all, you couldn't find two people more opposite from one another. You know, to use a modern day metaphor, this would be like a political candidate getting up and Democrats and Republicans locking arms to say how crazy this guy is. You know, and and you can't get more polar opposite than, you know, liberal Democrat, conservative Republican. And, And it would be like those two coming together. That's what's going on here, because the overall message we find from this is that the gospel is offensive. But the gospel is life. The gospel is offensive. But the gospel, as we see here, Paul is distressed over what's going on in that city. And he knows that the only thing that's going to change it is Jesus Christ. With that being said, there's a calling for us here, a calling that we'll pick up with tomorrow. And that is, what is our reaction to the world we're living in? And I don't just mean emotional reaction. I don't mean just getting angry. I don't mean just scratching your head and saying, goodness, people are dumb. I can't believe people would believe that. Why can't you? Psalm 14.1, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Fools do foolish things. <laughs> they believe foolish things. So why can't you believe that people are the way that they are? Or is it that you just can't believe that people have turned so readily from Christ? Because that's where we're living. and This is the remedy. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for this time that you've given to us. And we pray that we would take this message to heart that we too would be distressed over what we see in our society and not just distressed in an emotional sense, but distressed that leads us to faithful action for you, sharing the beauty of the gospel. So please work in our hearts and work in our minds. Convict us and we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I'd like to thank everybody for being a part of this time. Lord willing, will be back tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. Until then, I hope that everybody has a fantastic Tuesday or whatever day it happens to be. Take care.